You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. All right, so last week, Caleb came here and he was talking about what is necessary to, to be a church. I don't know how many of you guys uh, tune in or heard the message last week, but Caleb came with this message. It was really cool. If you, if you want, you can go back and listen to the message. But he was talking about what is church? And when you talk about church, uh, church what, is, like, what makes church different than any other club or association is when you come to this, like, we can have lots of things. We can... Like, say, well, to be church, we have to have these, we need to have that. But three things, it came, and there were de- these three things, they were the minimum things. We cannot have church without worship. We cannot have church without community, and we cannot have church without missions, right? And we are all talking about these uh, new expressions of church today. Not only today, but we've been talking about. And we are reading a book, and the book... Uh, that Caleb actually gave to us, not forced us to read, but recommended us to read. Uh, it's called uh, Micro Churches, and the sentence, uh, Francis, if you can help me there, it's going to show link over there. Yes, from Brian Sanders says, when believers work together in sincere worship and genuine community to accomplish a part of the mission of God, they are the church. So let's, let's, let's repeat again. When believers work together, so it's talking about community, right? Uh, in genuine, in sincere worship and genuine community to accomplish a part of the mission of God, they are the church. And when we look to Life Tree, we see so much of this happening right now here, right? Because we see, like, we love to worship Jesus. We love to get together. And we love to put our hands on things and do what God has called us to do. And I, I, I find be- the beauty of this expression, the beauty of this is that we don't need to have much. We don't have to have many people. We only have to have two or three people to be a church. Are you guys with me? That's just, I'm just uh, repeating what Caleb said last week. That's just the introduction, okay? Don't worry. So the introduction is always large. The message is very short. <laughs> And often when you look to the Bible, Jesus talks about those small expressions. And he always says, don't despise the small things. The power of the small things is you always see in the Bible the, the, the small seed, the mustard seed. Or, or you see like a small group of people. Or even the, the widow who came with the two little coins. So Jesus is always talking about the power of little things. Right? And, and we perhaps think some things are small, and for Jesus, it's only a seed. And that's what I want to talk about today. God has so much in our lives. And I want to ask you guys to open, uh, probably it's going to be there too, if you can open your Bibles, in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. It's one of the, the passages we probably know 
And the four Gospels talk about this passage. When Jesus multiplied bread and fish. You guys know this story? Yes? Amen. Yes. So Mark chapter 6 verse 34 says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it is already very late. Send the people away so, they, so that they can go to the surrounding, surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to, they said to him, they, they will take more than half of years' wage. Are you going to spend and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sitting down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the loaves, uh, the five loaves and the two fish, and looking to heaven, um, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks to, and broke the loaves. Then he gave to the, them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets, basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who ate, who had eaten, was 5,000. So that's an amazing story, right? You guys probably heard this story many, many times. And I, I, I took here some notes of some amazing things I see in this story. The first thing I see on verse 34 says that Jesus, he's coming from the, like, he was on one side of the country and he went to the other side with the disciples and he saw this crowd. And the first thing the Bible says is Jesus had compassion. Jesus felt compassion for those people. And what I learned here is that Jesus cares. Jesus cares. And it's amazing because Jesus is, is speaking, he's preaching the gospel. He is talking about the eternal things and the beauty of God and the heavenly things. But Jesus then looked at people and he cared for the needs of them. You know, and one thing I learned here, it's beautiful when we look to the four Gospels, we see like different aspects of the message. And Mark tells us these people, they have been following Jesus for over three days, for about three days. So they're probably very hungry. And Jesus felt compassion for them. So one thing I learned, yes, let's talk about, let's talk about the kingdom, let's share the gospel, but let's feed them. Let's do something practical, practical here. The gospel sometimes is more than just talking. It's, it's sometimes showing. And, and, and one thing I took note this morning is it's bringing the eternal message. Sometimes it's wrapping the message in something very practical. Are you guys with me? It's like people like in our community, you guys know Cliff and Andrea, they have been feeding this uh, and clothing and loving people in our city for over 20 years. 
Or you have like Fabio and, and Stacy who are like, yeah, we're going to like do something amazing. We're going to go to another country and, and bless people in India and Uganda and Congo and Venezuela, all these places. But also very simple expressions of the gospel. Sometimes just going helping someone to move or cleaning the beach or just, you know, doing those legal things, you know, writing letters. Sometimes the gospel, the missions is wrapping, wrapped in something very practical, very simple. Jesus is showing, you know, we are going to preach the gospel, but let's love them. Let's feed them. Let's do something very practical here. Amen? And the Bible says that he felt compassion for me. What drives missions? What, one thing that I, I've learned, and I, 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 it's what drives missions is, is compassion. When we feel compassion, compassion is the result. What is compassion? Compassion is the result of our relationship with Jesus. The word compassion means with passion. When you do something with passion. So worship and compassion, worship and missions are so connected. We are talking about these two expressions of the church. Worship and missions. And worship it's so connected to passion. Worship is our passion for God. So let's, let's demystify some things here. Worship, it's not only singing songs. Worship goes beyond that. It's every single expression of affection can be saying words, can be um, when you, you know, sing songs, yes. But when you dance, worship is, is showing your passion for God. And why is so important worship? Does God, need, does God need worship? Yes or no? Do you guys think God is like sitting on a throne, like, please worship me, please worship me? No. God does not need worship. So why the Bible always says, and we see like God telling us to worship him. Worship doesn't change God. Worship changes us. Because when I worship, I go closer to God. Worship is passion. Are you guys with me? I'm going to get there. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> Thanksgiving and gratitude and, and gifts and, and offering and all those expressions, they bring me closer to God. Let's be very practical. Sometimes you're like very far away. You don't feel connected to God, but then you close your eyes and then you just start, start thinking about the goodness of God. Or you go to the nature, you just start connecting and say, God, you're good. God, you're good. Or you play some songs and you are changing the atmosphere around you. Are you with me? And you're like feeling the passion. You're increasing the passion. Passion and compassion are so connected. Because what happens? You're increasing your level of passion. Worship doesn't change God. The Bible doesn't say God is seeking for worship. The Bible says God is seeking for Worshippers who worship him in his spirit and truth. Yes. Why? Because now I, let's, let's, let's do a, an experiment here. Just start saying like words to God right now. God, you're good. God, we love you. God, you're so good. God, you have been always faithful. You always have been faithful in my life. Oh, Jesus, you were beautiful. Thank you, thank you. You, you, can, you can do, lift up your praise. Yes, yes. 
goes beyond songs. Jesus, you were so good. You saved me. You forgave me. Woo. Oh, thank you for always providing. You, you, you start drawing closer to him. Your heart's getting closer and closer. So you're increasing the level of your passion. And what happens is someone who is passionate about something. Have you guys been closer to someone who is passionate about something? What happens to that? Like when you go to, for example, in Brazil, people are crazy about soccer. My, no, not joking, like people are crazy about soccer. My, my relatives, Emerson's here, right? What's your team, Emerson? Corinthians. You guys probably have no idea what I'm talking about. It's one of the soccer teams we have in Brazil. And people wear, like, if you like soccer, you wear the shirt. And then you, like, you're walking, like, this is my team. You will go to someone's house, and there's flags all over. And when you talk about people you know, all like, all oh, the soccer team players the, and the coach. And you, I was watching all my, and they fight for because they're passionate about or here in canada i guess people love hockey right uh, <laughs> baseball or or old cars where is george yeah, old cars and when you see people they embrace the culture when they love something and guess what they start telling others about what they love so missions comes from passion when you go close, when you, the Bible tells us that, that for the mouth speaks from what, it, which fills the hearts, right? So your heart's full of Jesus. You're like, I love Jesus. Jesus has been so good to me. And you get close to someone like this person is just spilling Jesus all over. It's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is good, right? Are you with me? You're probably one of them. Because <laughs> you love to talk about what you are passionate about. That's missions, guys. There's nothing else. You just love Jesus so much. You're so close to him that you just want to talk about him. So let's go back to the story because I didn't forget the story. So Jesus felt compassion. There was a situation going on. People were hungry. And one of the disciples, the Bible tells us that was Philip, came to Jesus and said, hey, Lord, we have a situation. And Jesus, what's up? People were hungry. What should we do? Right? So one of the disciples came to Jesus. The Bible tells us. Why? Like he saw. So Philip was able, the Bible tells us, in, in John actually was Philip. Um, he was able to feel what Jesus was feeling. Because when we go closer to Jesus... You guys are with me? When you go closer to Jesus, you feel what he feels. That's why worship is so beautiful. Passion brings to compassion. Jesus was feeling compassion. He knew the situation, but he didn't do anything. He was just like, okay, people are hungry. We need to do something. He didn't say anything, and then Philip came closer. And he's feeling Jesus' heart. Because when you go closer to Jesus, we... Feel Jesus' hearts. Right? So worship brings me closer and he reveals his hearts. Leads me into missions. Right? So if you want to invest in what Jesus is investing, if we want to care for what he cares, 
do what his, the Father is doing, we need to get a little closer. Jesus was only doing what the Father was doing because he was one with the Father. Do you guys want to be successful? Life 3, do you guys want to be successful in the missions? Let's increase the worship. Let's go closer to Jesus. Amen? Yes. So Philip felt what Jesus felt. He was coming to, like, close to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, people are hungry. He understood the problem, but there is always a but. He didn't know how to deal with it. So he did what we usually do. He transferred to Jesus the problem. He looked to Jesus, verse 35 says, this is a remote place. It's very late. Send the people away. Do something, Jesus. <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? Jesus, we have a situation. Do something. Can you, can you, can you help us, please? Right? So many times we see these struggles. We, we hear the, the, the cry in the Father's heart. We see the problems, but we go back to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, can you do something? How many of you guys, probably you guys know lots of problems in Victoria. You, go, you can go to Canada and you can go further to the entire world. There's so many problems. Or even like smaller in our neighborhood, right? In our hoods. I like to think that a calling is born in the middle of problems and necessities. Amen? A, a calling is born in the middle of problems and necessities. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't have a calling from God. Well, hold on. <laughs> start getting closer to Jesus and you start feeling his heart. And start to see the problems around you and the calling is born. And Jesus looks to Philip and you guys see the verse 37 Philip's like, hey, Jesus, can you do something? And Jesus said, you do something. <laughs> Look, the verse 37 says, you give them something to it. Yes. And then Philip looks back to Jesus. I'm using Philip because John 6 tells us that, that it was Philip, right? Uh, Mar um, we're reading from Mark, right? Mark actually just tells the one of the disciples. Um, then Philip told him, that will take more than half of the year's wage. If you transfer to today, like to can Canadian money, it would be like over $30,000, Jesus, to give, to buy enough bread for each one to just have a bite. Wow. Imagine that, like Philip's telling Jesus, are you sure we're going to spend all this much money? And everybody's just getting a bite? Often we don't know. When you look to us, we're like, oh, wow, this is a big problem. And perhaps right now you're thinking about something. The Holy Spirit's already working in our lives. Um, there is some situation there. There is something can be, that can be done there. Jesus likes hard, com compassion, has compassion for that situation, has compassion for that people, has compassion for that. And you perhaps are like, Jesus, can you do something? Jesus Yes, you go and feed them. But Jesus, if I spend all my resources, if I take 
all this money is not going to be enough to solve this situation. We often don't know what we have until we are challenged with what the needs around us. Or we think that's not enough. I remember a friend of mine, uh, his name is Jardel. He's a, Brazilian, he's a Brazilian guy. He was like crazy about Jesus. And he was like, I want to be a missionary. But I don't sing. He didn't fit in the box. I don't sing. I don't speak. You know, I'm not a public speaker. But God's calling me to be a missionary. I want to be a missionary. And I remember he told us this story. He was like, I, I don't do those things. The missionary things, you know. I don't do the pastor. I, I, I don't fit the profile. What do you do? Oh, the only thing I can do is play soccer. He felt like that's not enough. But God used that little thing to bless others. Jardel was a, just a little dude. He went to Mongolia, into Thailand, playing soccer. He planted more churches than anybody else I've met playing soccer. Today he has six kids. He's like a little older than me and being all over the world. But he's like playing soccer. What do you have? What do you have? That's the next thing. Jesus looks to the disciples and he asks the question. Verse 38 says, what do you have? Look to your basket right now. How many loaves do you have? So he made a point to transfer back the responsibility to the disciples. And, uh, and even though like he looked, one of the disciples looked and said, that was actually Andrew. He said, well, we found a little boy here. We found just a little boy here. And, you know, maybe it's not enough, but he has five loaves and, and, and th two, three fish. Two, three. True. <laughs> That's the Portuguese brain, guys. <laughs> Amen. Wow. What you have might seem small. But there is nothing small in the kingdom of God. Remember, it's an upside-down kingdom, guys. Woo. So there is nothing small. Nothing is small. We, were reading, we are reading this book and microchurches and telling stories of these guys. And one of them, they were like uh, young parents. I don't know if Caleb told those stories last week, but I'm telling you again. No worries. Uh, one of them, they were like young parents. They were just like, how can we start a church? What do we have? Well, we have toddlers. So let's connect with other parents who have toddlers. Another guy, he was like, oh, I don't do anything. What do you do? I like to drink beer. Great! Find other guys who like to drink beer and have devotions with them. So they started this microchurch, Beer and Jesus. Amen? What do you have in your basket? I know, sounds crazy. Maybe it's a bakery. I, may, I don't know. Maybe it's basketball in Jesus. I don't know what you have, but you have something. Perhaps you were saying it's too small. It's not. Ah, that's not important. I don't know. But what do you have? Everything you need. God doesn't create anything incomplete. When God created you, he didn't say, oh, man, I forgot to put something in. No, maybe later on I'll give him. God created everything completed. 
everything you need inside of you. And sometimes you are just underestimated the tools inside of you because you don't know the power they have. Or perhaps you are not challenged yet with the situations, but you have everything you need in your basket. Amen? Sometimes you're like, oh, no, I'm too old. Tell Abraham that. He was 99 years old. Sarah, he, she couldn't have a kid. I'm like, imagine Abraham, like, hey, Sarah, we've got to be a father of the nations. God told us we can now even have a child. Or maybe you're like, I'm too young. Really? Look to the Bible. David, Joseph, Ju- John, Mary. The Bible says that Mary was still a teenager when the Holy Spirit came upon her and she buried the Savior. You're not too young. You're not too old. Maybe you're like, I don't know how to speak. God's using me. God used Moses. God can use you. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. A calling is born in the middle of necessities. Yes. So John tells us that the provision came from the most unlikely place, this little boy. Be open to see the small and the insignificant shows up. Just be open. Sometimes you're like, ah, I want to start something in my yard. It's too small. Don't say it's too small. I just want to gather some friends. I don't know. Maybe like I want to start a book club. I don't know what ideas. You guys can give me ideas. I don't know. <laughs> what else could, could we like have as a small expressions of church? Mm. Fishing with Jesus? A what? Who said that? Neighborhood parties, yes. What else? That's great. Yeah, what else? Yes. So there's so many expressions. <laughs> okay. And when you look to John chapter 6, verse 9, the same story, the same story says, Here is a little boy. I love this sentence. Says, Here's just a little boy. That was Andrew saying, Jesus, we found a little boy. <laughs> it's like a situation is solved. Jesus, we found this little boy. He's like, Hur. He has five loaves of fish. <laughs> but look that the sentence says, but how far will that go among so many? Ooh, sometimes, guys, it's not even from outside. Sometimes it's from inside the challenge, right? Like, but how far do you think you are going to go? Right? James 3, 5 says, consider... What a great forest is set on fire by a, but a, but a, by a small spark. Don't despise these small things. Don't despise these small things. Amen? So, verse uh, the, the four. We just have four bullets here. Are you following the bullets here? Number four. I don't know. I, I am not looking there. So, Jesus had the miracle prepared. The number four now? No? Not yet? Almost there? Jesus... He strategized and organized the movement. I will repeat to you. Maybe. Yes, that one. <laughs> so Jesus had a strategy. Okay, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to have a, there is a miracle coming. Hold on. 
Ready? But Jesus told the disciples, verse 39, Jesus directed them to have all people sing, sitting down in groups on the grass, on green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Wow. Even though Jesus was going to do a miracle, multiply, because the supernatural is up to God. The Bible says, Acts chapter 2, that the church was always gathering together, learning with the apostles and sharing everything they had. But the Lord was the one who was adding people. So the supernatural is up to God. But the, 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 what Jesus told the disciples, now you guys go and you guys organize some things. In small groups, repeat with me, small groups, small expressions, small churches. Or as Caleb is saying, micro-churches. Amen? So Jesus empowered the disciples to go. So you look to, to Victoria. Let's take Victoria, okay? You look to Victoria. There's so many needs. People are hungry. But you're not going to feed everybody. You're not going to give bread to everybody. But there is a group of people waiting for you. So maybe, Andrew, you go there. Philip, you go there. John, you go there. Peter, you, you go there. <laughs> you, know? you, you just organized people according to the groups. You're not going to feed everyone. You're not, going to, you're not called to do everything, but you are called to do something. And guys, again, God is not looking for performance, perfection. God's looking for passion. That brings compassion. Amen? So he's like organizing. Maybe you are called to go and, and reach out to the single moms. Or to the young people. And there's so many needs in our town. There's so many needs in our hoods. And you are called to go somewhere. I'm finishing here now. The point five. Are you with me, Francis? <laughs> so how the miracle happens that's the that's the best part surrender what you have to Jesus in gratitude and be ready to be broken amen Ooh, this is a quiet room everything we put in the Lord's hands is going to multiply Everything you put in, Lord, in the Lord's hand, you just surrender. You say, like, Lord, I have this. This is what I need to, this is my provision, but I'm giving to you. This is what I have for me to feed my family, but I'm giving to you. I'm, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about whatever God's telling your heart, you know. This is what my gifts, I don't know what God's telling you, but I'm giving to you. I'm surrendered to you. God's going to multiply. It's a step by faith, but be ready to be broken because only a like only a bread loaf can be distributed can be shared so sometimes guys god's going to use the moments in your life and things in your life that you feel like oh this is a painful moment and i was talking to will the other day of uh, a guy who works here god used tests to transforming testimonies you probably heard that before your stories of pain Perhaps are going to be the stories that are going to bring healing to others. 
how are you going to feed others? Maybe God's going to use the broken bread to feed someone around you. Amen? So I want to ask you guys three questions, and we're going to close. I hope I bless you today a little bit, sharing this message. If you guys can close your eyes, we're going to reflect on these three questions. The first question is, what needs do you see around you? In your house, in your neighborhoods, in your city. When you come closer to Jesus, what do you hear his heart telling you? For what he's showing compassion. Second question is, what tools do you see in your life? What do you have in your baskets? And the last question we're going to pray is, what's Jesus asking you to surrender today? Thank you for listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca